Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Let's go back to 2011 with Squidge. Let's look at the World Cup again with Squidge. Good afternoon, good evening, good night. Welcome to this Truman Show now. Um, yeah, I was going to say. The Squidge Rugby World <laughs> Cup retrospective. Uh, and in case you don't see me, welcome to the 2011 Rugby World Cup. We we have literally been recording less than 10 seconds. We're already talking about films. I know. It is a film podcast after all. And Yeah, it's and a good film. And I've seen it. I, I hold the Truman Show as one of the handful of perfect films. Um, perfect? I Yeah, I think the Truman Show is as good as cinema gets. Interesting. I'm trying to think of like a scene I don't like in it, and I'm <laughs> yeah. kind of struggling. I, um, it's very good. There's a, it's the thing is I'm very much, and every listener is aware of this. <laughs> usually, when there's another guest on, you start talking about a film. I kind of sit back and leave you two to discuss it because sure. chances are I've not seen the film. However, in this case, I actually have, <laughs> and I love it. Yeah. So that's good. Well, well, that can't be said for Uncle Boomy, who can record his past lives yet. <laughs> one day, one day you'll watch it. Yeah, Cammy isn't here as well, so he can't spout the incorrect opinion that ed tv is better which it isn't uh, oh yeah of course as i say the truman show is it's one of the very small number of films that i come out of every time i finish watching it and i go that's you a come film. out that's as yes i do yeah yeah every time you watch it yeah israel flag gets furious yeah yeah and yeah and i kind of think no that's it that that's the best i don't know how you can make a film better than that you know singing in the rain yeah. i had i went to see inception in imax um the re- 10th anniversary you released it a few weeks okay. ago. I got it from that. I got it from like, how do you make a film better than yeah. that? You know, that's Fair as enough. good as it gets. Um, good film. Truman Show is on that that quite short list. Uh, Annie Hall, yeah. but I haven't watched it since Woody Allen became... Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah. It's a Wonderful Life probably sits on there as well. Right. Why are we doing this? Squid Rugby World Cup Perspective. Oh yeah, talking about rugby. Uh, podcast about rugby, nominally. Mm. In which we go for games. The 2011 Rugby World Cup at the minute... And the Rugby World Cup 2011 video game, not video game, game of actual rugby that did play video game. was the so, USA against Australia. Was the game that I just spent 80 minutes watching a video game the whole time? No, 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 no you've watched the wrong thing. Oh, each team, okay. they, it, they did an esports thing alongside. Um, so oh, each okay. team nominated someone to play. Um, what was the biggest esport in 2011? Um, uh, that's a really good question. 2011's a funny year. Yeah. Um, what was big in 2011? I can tell you, here's a fun fact about 2011. Mm. 2011 was the direct midpoint between Crazy by Niles Barkley and Harambe memes. Why would you know? Why would... I, I looked it up for an earlier episode of this podcast, but never used it. What? what? Right, okay. Yeah. Um, do you want some big video games from 2011? Go on. Uh, Portal 2, which I think is excellent. Portal 2 is very good. Okay, uh, Skyrim was the biggest game of that year. Oh, uh, okay. That uh, was that year. Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, Uncharted 3, um, right. which I went back... I realised I never finished. I went None back of these to after games Last of Us 2, and by the way, it but... feels like it was made in the Atari. Uh, Gears right. of War 3, um, Super Mario 3D Land, which is excellent. 
There was an Assassin's Creed game, unsurprisingly. You know, Sonic Generations. Okay. The, um, you know, Little Big Planet 2. Uh, Little Big Planet 2, right? That was what they played. Um, all of the players came together and they had a game of Little Big Planet 2, uh, which honestly right, seems okay. like the kind of game that Blaine Scully would enjoy. Yeah, it probably is. If Blaine Scully, our uh, best friend of the podcast, yes. is listening, I hope he's having a great day. Hmm. Hmm. Likewise. We have a lot to talk about Blaine Scully from this game, I'd imagine. I imagine so. On. So, to yeah. move on to the game eventually, having been through every By the art way, form. Yeah, go on. Before we carry on. Fine. Your name. Oh, Robbie, who cares? AKA Squidge. Sure, what's yours? I guess mine's Will Owen. Great, well done. The game is Australia 67, the USA, the United States of America, that is for anyone who doesn't isn't aware, five. Hmm. Um, that is the score, by the way. That's not the number yeah. of those countries there are in the world. Uh, yeah, like there the is population. only one of each, yes. Um, it'd be a hell of a stat if if so, but it's not. There are only yeah. five people in the US, yet the fewer to the 15. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it explain why so many of them were born in South Africa, exactly. Insert joke about Samoan rugby team being all, oh yeah, well they've got five people that poach all New Zealanders, or the other way around, but, you know. You know, that stat about Kieran Farnatia, his first yes. time he visited Samoa was his second cap. His second cap, which is so funny. And like... I, I don't know whether he sung the anthem on his first cap or what, or like beat the badge or anything, but there's got to be a sense of irony when you're running out in a Samoan kit and thinking, maybe I'll go here one day. However, the teams, the people running out in the Australian and United States of America kits, to be smooth, um, so Australia had just lost to Ireland. That was kind yeah. of the big result, the big upset of the tournament. I don't think... Australia saw it coming. They'd come into the tournament as sure. a really strong Australia's team. Careful calling it a big upset after uh, Tom took exception to that last time. Of course. Of course, yeah. But I think from an Australian point of view, it was. Because they just won the rugby championship. Yeah. They'd beaten the All Blacks earlier that year. Absolutely. Uh, they'd also had the famous Hong Kong game the year before, where they'd won They didn't on. lose to Samoa. <laughs> yes. If we take that aside, that's kind of the exception. And sure. it's a it's a really good it's such a Australian good Australian team. side, isn't it? Yeah. So, currently we're at the fullback with Adam Ashley Cooper and Drew Mitchell on the wings. Uh, Quade Cooper and Will Genio as the halfbacks. I'm skipping over the centres for now. Yeah, um, uh, now at hooker with James Slipper, like Pete James Slipper as well, back when he was red captain when yeah. they won Super Rugby. They've got Rob Simmons and Nathan Sharp in the second row. Nathan Sharp, right, did you see his line-out stats in this no. game? Oh, wait, yeah, no, no, I did. He didn't he yeah. call like 11 line-outs Yeah, he, he took 14 line-outs. <laughs> That's mental. He's really taking the piss at that point, isn't he? I know. Uh, then they had an injury, so Rocky Elsom comes in to fill in, which, oh, no. fine, you know, yeah. Um, who, of course, again, that year had been man of the match in the Heineken Cup final when Leinster won their yeah. first title. Remember that? Remember when Leinster had never yeah. won the Heineken Cup? Yeah, wow. Um, now they're winning them as a hobby. Except this year. Um, <laughs> yeah, ben McCalman moved into seven, which we'll come on to. Yeah. Um, and Wycliffe Parlu played his first game for the Wallabies in two and a half years at number eight. Wow, was it? Yeah. I had no idea. He was... Because it always seemed like the general consensus that he was kind of the Wallabies' number eight. Because yeah. nobody else was really, like, much of an eight. Like, Radiki Samo ended up taking that mantle and, you know, really running with it. Hmm. Um, but, you know, maybe Radiki Samo would be useful somewhere in the back line. Who knows? We'll come on to that. <laughs> but, yeah, so Parlu had been due to play in one of the warm-up games... Right. But his he'd had a a series of shoulder issues. Um so he had yeah. shoulder surgery after a game in two thousand nine in the autumn. Right. I believe it was the autumn, might have been the, the Trinations. So he had to have his shoulder completely reconstructed. He played super rugby, he then got injured in one of the last games, 
Uh, he thought he was okay to play for the Wallabies in the lead-up in one of the warm-up games or the, the Tri-Nations. He couldn't play. He couldn't make it. And then didn't play again until this game against the USA. Uh, so he plays about 60-odd minutes and he comes off looking pissed off. Like He looks <laughs> he looks kind of sad almost oh, at the fact that he's it. had to be brought off. Yeah, yeah. Of course, with, with this Australian side, uh, I would like to uh, point us in the direction of an expert bit of punditry from our favourite pundit on the ITV channel for this World Cup, which is Mr. Lawrence Delalio. So, Lawrence Delalio says just mm. before the team's running out, never write off Australia in any sporting context whatsoever. Okay. So, this means that automatically, if you're Australian, you're automatically good at any sport. That's true. So, do you, that do you explains, think... you know, what why they've won the Olympics. Well, you know, single... never write them off. Not that they'll win, never write them sure. off. They're always in the contest. You know, like sure. they're always things like they're second or third. The yeah. 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 Um, like, of course, well, we know, we know from Lawrence Lally's previous punditry in this World Cup that a lot of the players in the Canadian team played ice hockey. Exactly. So that's the sporting context in which you wouldn't write them off. So yeah. surely all of these Australian players have played other sports. So that makes them good at Therefore, of that. course, rugby, because yes. ice hockey and rugby famously have a lot of crossover. They have exactly the Jesus same sport. Jesus Christ, how does he have a job? <laughs> he's got to pay He's got to pay for it somehow. He's got to pay for his, sure. his other activities somehow. Yeah. This is aside from all of that. How does he have a job talking about rugby? He's got like, a cool voice. That's, you know, he's got a cool voice. excellent. Yeah. Yeah, which is really annoying. But... Yeah, just get Eddie Butler in, man. He's got a really cool voice and <laughs> at least knows something about rugby, you know. But both both former number eights, but only yeah. one of them ever threw the stupidest pass you've ever seen against Australia, funnily enough. That's true. That's worth okay, looking up for anyone that hasn't seen it from Eddie Butler's playing career. Very good number eight, but he did spend yeah. it behind. He was the number eight behind the Pontypool front row, which yeah. is one of the most famous front Very rows, most famously dominant front rows in rugby history, if not yeah. the most famous, actually. And um, a flats and ding dong. A lovely video with him talking to Chris Corker and about mm. uh, and doing like a commentary over the top of that pass, knowing it's coming. It's very funny. Uh, yeah. yeah, look that up. We're not being paid by Eddie Butler, but or Chris Corcoran, or Chris Corcoran. But yes, no, it's 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 funny. Eddie Butler would definitely not pay us to show the worst moment of his career. I don't think many people would. No, I mean I might, but we're not going to talk about it. I mean, we kind of asked Blaine Scully to talk about his. <laughs> we, we did, in fairness. Um, I hope so you're having a great day, Blaine. The USA team, to move on yeah. to it, starts with Mr. Blaine Scully at fullback. Uh, he is joined in the back three by... Uh, okay, now both should we, good should players... Should we talk about this? Yeah. Both good players, but it's amazing that there's professional wingers out there, as recently as 2011, could Kevin and Colin... Wow, I didn't. I didn't think of it that way. Kevin and Colin on names. the wings. Yeah, Kevin and Colin. Like then, they're, they're not popping to B and Q on a Sunday, you know, to sort out the new garden. No, 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 no. no. These are playing on the wings against Drew playing Mitchell against and Adam Ashley Cooper. Yeah. yeah, like they could have put Digby in as well. You they know, could have. Yeah, <laughs> the options were endless. Wow, I didn't think of it that way. Well, should, should we just talk about your affinity with Colin Hawley? Sure. The, okay. Just. And uh, I'm not sure why I'm telling this story, but once again, we were. Um, this comes up surprisingly often. There's so many players where we talk about, oh yeah, well I remember them on the Rugby World Cup 2011 video game, which hmm. again we still play all the time. And there was this one time when you were playing as the USA, hmm. and 
you got the ball as Colin Hawley. Presumably, neither of us had heard of him before. And you just really screamed, Go on, Colin! And from there on, he was Colin. Yeah, well, he he turned someone inside out and scored in the corner. I remember it. Did he? Yeah, yeah. Do you remember who he was against? He sort of swerved around. I don't remember. I remember oh, the finish. I remember him kind of like swerving around being a really fancy finish. Like, he almost did a pirouette. Oh, nice. Like, Vance on Clare style. Um, spoilers for this tournament. Yeah. yeah, but Colin Hawley became a close favourite of mine. Yeah, and I friend. became very excited to see him because he didn't play in the USA's first two games. He certainly didn't start. No. And then he he came in here. Yeah, he only ever won seven caps, but he made it oh. into that video game in the default lineup. Yeah. So I think that's worth it. Absolutely it is. Now, so moving on to the front row for the USA. So they had Sean Pittman playing on the loose head, who would play mm. in the tight head previous week. Uh, and they had Eric Fry playing on the tight head. And in the national anthems before the match, do you notice what Eric Fry does? No. When there's about two lines left of the Star Spangled Banner, Eric Fry just uncontrollably screams, "Wow!" like that. <laughs> and like really just loses control and just loves the fact that he's playing for his country and whatever. Oh. And then like he eventually kind of realises that, ca- that the camera's been on him the whole time and just kind of like, sheepishly regathers himself and carries <laughs> on singing the anthem normal- normally it's great i really love it because i feel like you know if i was in the millennium stadium singing the welsh anthem yeah. i feel like i would i would definitely lose control at some point before a glad <laughs> but it's like fully peggy um Vichese starting crying yeah. when facing the welsh anthem because he loved watching it on yes. tv um so at the opposition anthem he started crying in the 2015 world cup that's amazing no i didn't notice that from eric fry but i did notice eric fry basically everywhere on the pitch so okay, yeah. you look at, basically for the time he's on, I think he comes off the second half. Yeah, but yeah. for the first kind of, what is it, 60 minutes or so, mm. Eric Fry, every single try Australia score, Eric Fry's in the background having hauled his ass over to try and make a covering oh. tackle. He doesn't make one, but every single time he seems to be in shot. He's like, you know those, those books you used to get as a kid where you had to spot the sure. rubber duck on every page? Sure. Yeah, he's like that. He's like the duck hidden on every single page. <laughs> Like, there's just a little Eric Fry in the background of every try Australia score. There's one thing I really like about this USA team, and I think we could probably move on to the mm. game now, that particularly in the first half, they always worked really, really, really hard. Yeah. Even if they didn't have that much of a structure going in terms of, like, oh. we spoke before about uh, there's a few teams in the World Cup who are starting to, to discover the whole thing about, you know, strategically placing your forwards so they're spread out yeah. quite evenly over the pitch. Australia conserving the fitness time. and so on. Yeah. Uh, we'll come on to that with particularly Rocky Elson, yeah. who effectively played like a third centre in this game. But the USA didn't have that whatsoever. Mm. But it didn't really matter because like they were all so eager, and particularly in defence, they got off the line so quickly. Yeah, and like, obviously the scoreline went against them, but they really played their part. I've got this jot down that I don't know if I've ever seen a team who go ten nil down, two tries down after ten minutes play better in that time yeah i think they were the better team yeah and the yet they sort of 20 minutes uh, because this australia i think if this usa team had played against like scotland or wales or yeah maybe even england even england especially in this world cup england, yeah yeah they'd have pushed them to within losing bonus point range i reckon like yeah maybe not i don't think they were organized enough to pull off a win but they'd have Absolutely. kept the score close um, but they're just unlucky because this Australian team is full of freaks. Yeah, yeah. Like, they... and like there's no other team in the World Cup that's just so damn talented as this Australian side. Yeah, they like, they have, and it's just so hard to keep up with. Exactly, they have the most talent of any team. In you know, make the All Blacks uh, about level. Yeah, but the the Le- Quay Cooper at his best, Wilgenia at his best, Kurtley Beal. 
just on the pitch. You know, as you say, Rocky yeah, Elson, yeah. the the level of skill in the forwards as well. Um yeah, and I love the players they can bring off the bench as well in like Luke Burge is an excellent player, comes on, he's yeah, good. He's phenomenal. Beric Barnes is fantastic when he comes on. Oh yeah, yeah. So I wanna talk about the first ten minutes, as we say, mm. Australia are really kind of under the pump from USA that they're really as I say, like the very first act of the game, uh Tim Usas clears the ball who's playing nine and captain yeah. for the USA. And then straight off the back of that, they really bring line speed and Manchester smash Quade Cooper who drops the ball. Yes. And then about five minutes later, Australia haven't really had any foothold in the game. And yeah. then Quade goddamn Cooper manages to step around seven God, different players and sets up this lovely ball for Beale, who manages to put Rob Horn in the corner. And like you can still see the fight from the USA team because like Blaine Scully smashes Rob Horn over the trial. Mm. And like really like he couldn't have done any more to get him into touch. And like I noticed did you notice that Blaine Scully looked like particularly big in this game? Didn't like, he? Yeah. Okay. yeah, he looked he looked like you know very bulky in this game. Mm. And like every single time he was the last line of defence, he was really going into smash people. Oh. There's a point in the second half, it's for Curly Beals himself's try. Mm-hmm. No, it's just before halftime, rather. In which Scully covers three men. You know, he kind of covers his man, yeah. he hits him, and kind of, he doesn't quite get him to ground, but he knocks him off balance. Like, it would have been effective as a tackle anyway. Yeah. And then you can see him really hairing it to get back and get Beal. And he gets yeah. close, like, close than he has any right to. And I, I felt for him so much, because he has a really good game. Yeah, and yeah. And- He's he's brilliant and like everything that you associate with Blaine Scully, the player, yeah. you know, in like you know his career with Leicester Tigers and Cardiff Blues and so on. Like you really manage to get like a taste of that because like under the high ball he's so reliable. He clears yeah. the ball really well. He tackles so well. He communicates with his players really well. He has such a good game. Yeah, and it's such a difficult game to be a fullback. Yeah, and when you say that, you tend to imagine it's raining and it's pouring and everyone's kicking the ball miles and you can't see what's going on. But it's yeah. just. All game, he's having there's a line break with two men in support with him, with yeah. the, the guy making the line break, and Scully's left on his own most often to yeah. cover this. And a few times he manages it. A few times he manages to stop like a three on one yeah. in the backfield. There's the second Australian try was finished by Rocky Elsom in the mm. end, and which came from a Curtly Beal break, which I think Scully covered himself. And then as Australia then spread it wide, there's a two on one between Rocky Elsom and Antfinger. Yeah, and. Blaine Scully very cleverly drifts onto Antfinger to prevent him from doing the embarrassing thing and have Antfinger score against America, you know? He yeah. protects his country's dignity by letting Rocky Ellison score instead. And Ellison just makes the right decision. It's yeah, such a well-worked try, and I've got this jotted down. that So there's this thing, right? And I, I think because I saw a YouTube comment yesterday when I was looking up highlights of... I was, I'll tell you what it was, right? right? The famous game in 1978 between Wales and the All Blacks. You know the game. You know the game I'm talking Which about. Which one is this? The diving at the line-out. Okay. Okay. Where, for yeah. people that don't know, uh, it's a really famous game written in Welsh folklore. And I think yeah. New Zealand to some degree, but it's not as important to them. No. Uh, 1978, Wales are the best team in the world, pretty much, you know. And they need to prove it by playing New Zealand, who were the other, other best team. Yeah. And with, I think, four minutes to go, five, six minutes to go, the closing stages anyway... New Zealand get a penalty, they kick for the corner, and then the Welsh team look to have nicked the line out, except one of the Kiwis dives. And it's on YouTube, you can look it up. Yeah. He properly just jumps out of nowhere. No one lays a finger on And he's spoken him. about it since. Yeah. I, oh, I can't he... remember his name. He, 
he he died recently, didn't he? I think. Mm. Um, but like he was very very open about it, and like uh, New Zealanders hold him in really high regard as a legend of the All Blacks, yeah. and like it wasn't just this game that he saved them. Apparently, uh, mm. I don't mean that via diving. Um, he was allegedly a very good player. I can't remember yeah. the guy's name, unfortunately. I can't because uh, another Kiwi then joined in as well, sees him and then dives as well. Yeah. So the referee then gives a penalty for you know shoving at the line out, taking him out of the ball. Yeah. Using then kick it, win the game. And this is something that the Welsh are still angry about. In a way, we probably wouldn't talk about it as much if we'd actually won the game. No. Yeah. <laughs> we'd have left that alone. But there was a comment on the video saying, God, there's more drama in this game than most modern match in the last five minutes of this game, the most modern match is put together. And then someone replied saying, ha ha, so true. Then the guy replied saying something about how, you know, there's no flair and structure and, you know, like there's nothing going on in these games. Da, 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 da. Like the skill level so much lower. Players can't play anymore. That thing that Jiffy said about how players aren't coached to have flair anymore. Yeah. And Stuart Barnes said he'd get rid of all the analysts. And yeah. Give him a chance. It's ridiculous. But I, maybe that's why this was in my head, but that Rocky Elsom try, right? If you want to go and have a look at it, it's a really nice try. The whole game's on YouTube. If yeah. You want to see it. It's a, excellent try but it's all structure you know it's all players knowing what yeah. lines they're going to run absolutely and it's all built on that and it's actually you're using your flair within that structure within that that set and people look at that and go god just all the flair that australian team but actually yeah it's down to structure it's down to players just being smart absolutely. and understanding the game yeah and particularly forwards as you're saying yeah like forwards were less expected to be able to do that and sort of map out the game plan themselves but this Australian team, like the forward pack, was so independent in their decision making. Yeah. Um, and Elsom is was a particularly you know big example of that, and this try really shows that. Absolutely. And you kind of skimmed over it on the 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 first try. Quade Cooper's run, right? You then say, oh, he just finds a nice ball to Beal. No, 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 no. Oh no, no. Beal's support line's phenomenal. He has three men in support, and Curly Beal basically running behind him, yeah. and. Because they've got this kind of psychic link that comes from being brilliant but mad. Yeah. Cooper just kind of like hops the ball over his shoulder. He just kind of like drops it behind him. Like floats yeah. it in the air for a second for Bill to run onto and pick his own line. Yeah. It's brilliant. And it's, yeah. as I say, mad. Like it takes two complete mavericks to do it. Yeah. But it, it's what creates the try, you know. And then Curly yeah. Bill fixes man and puts him in the corner. But yeah, it's it's fantastic. I'd like to move chronologically onto the next try of the game okay. because there's there's a few different acts. Oh, my to this. my one other note on the Elsom try, right? Sure. Is everything is great about it except he puts the ball down really awkwardly. Because <laughs> the dummy looks a little bit awkward as well. He doesn't throws it? Because... that dummy and it's fine. Like it's a forwards dummy. It's not natural. Yeah, but he does yeah. it. He gets over the line. He, he runs over the line at full pelt. Then he slows himself down, like t- oh yeah, like a like a lorry slowing down when having been at full tilt and kind of. And then puts the ball down himself rather than... Di- if he just dived, would look great. Even if it was a terrible Joe Van Eekirk dive, would look great. But instead, yeah. he slows himself down to a walking pace, stops still, then puts the ball down. Sorry, you've just reminded me of what Joe Van Eekirk's up to now. Anyway. Oh, Jungle Joe. Um, yeah, yeah, Instagram. Head to it. Have a look. Anyway, anyway. Yeah, no, that Rocky Elson dummy is very much the dummy of a man who's not intending to pass. Yes. Um, but that is, of course, the second most awkward try finish of this game. But we'll mm. come on to the first. I assume you know what I mean. But anyway, so the third try of the match starts off with Tim Usaz making a break from a line-out. Yes, it does. And, and Scott Lavalla coming in, in support. And never the fastest player, Scott Lavalla, but he really does his, well, does his best to buy time. And Scott Lavalla, very good player, though. Oh, that's yeah, not, he's that's great. Not around, like, and uh, a great was, career with Stad. I, yes, okay. So 
I watched most of the game with English commentary, with the ITV commentary. Right. However, there's a point in that in which it cuts out for 10 minutes and it just skips forward. So right. for those 10 minutes, I watched the Australian commentary. Okay. Who, at one point, say Scott Lavalor, who, of course, plays for Stady Frances. Stady Frances? Stady Frances. Christ. Stady Frances. How do you get it that wrong? Sorry, it's Stady Frances. Sorry, Stady Frances. Which is even worse. That sounds you like got a anything pop right. star. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think I own her first single. You know, yeah. when she launched herself for Eurovision, Stady Frances. Yeah, no, that definitely yeah. sounds like <laughs> That's accurate. Like, she supported Carly Rae Jepsen on the last arena tour. Cool, I know. We should get her on, really. We've got, yeah, the, we we've should. got, we've got links. Yeah, Stady Frances, next episode. Yeah, Let's we'll get the it. lawyers to clear it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, anyway, so that happens... And then eventually, uh, you see, oh, Nessie Malif does this pinpoint perfect cross kick for Colin, just Colin, yeah. to run on to. And like, he does this really good job. He tries to step, I think it's Quaid, is the last man, and like really manages to do well to stay in play and buy time for his team to support him. Mm. Uh, and eventually Malifa also sends for a grubber kick. And Malifa played better than I remember him being yeah. uh, in this game. Uh, and then they managed to force Wilgenia back over the trial line for a five meter scrum. Hmm. And then what happens? The five meter from the five meter scrum. Yeah, I didn't realize this was, this was a question. I didn't realize you were making me lead on from this. Oh, um, sorry. Yeah. So no, 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 no. No, it's fine. No, it's exciting. From the five meter scrum, right? Uh, so there's some rugby. Uh, basically, right? Australia are in the process of smashing the USA at the scrum, but they don't notice that actually there's a bigger game than just that scrum. Something's escaped from that scrum. Yeah, and that something is the number eight, JJ Galliano, who just scores. Like, he just just scores. Uh, And Rocky Elson realises as he's crossing the try line. It's so funny watching Rocky Elson. He puts an arm out like, no, don't. Stop, come back. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) No, don't score the try. There's probably something to be done in like the titanic theme music with that slowed down it's really funny watching rocky elson like because this it's like dude you're a world-class player and like you just concede a try because you pushed it to scrum like <laughs> yes. and like I, I believe i i think i've heard it before where the australian commentators on this game were saying like that's the only time that i've seen the australian back row actually push at the scrum this year yeah and they've gone and dominated the scrum and conceded a try and you're right like gaggiano just really like like it's like he's trying to clock out of his shift 10 minutes early, you know? And yeah. he just, like, really subtly slips away and just, oh, I'll bring this with me, and brings the ball, and does this really theatrical dive in the corner. Yeah. And, like, he's not a player... I only remember Gaggiano for this try. Uh, Likewise, yeah. yeah. He he has 14 caps, so... Uh, it was, that was this one was of his, his two tries. Game. This was his that's, last cap. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So, fair play. That's the last thing, I guess, he has to remember in a USA shirt. But, but it was, was it's a really lovely moment. He has yeah, a really good, good game. game. Yeah. And he was someone that, when I saw him playing, I went, oh, I remember that guy. Because yeah. I, I hadn't thought about him since. You know, I'd kind of forgotten about him. I just remember him as the guy who scored that try. Yeah, and he takes it well. And actually, he has a really good game. You know, he's kind yeah. of, his stats across the game are impressive and high. Uh, and again, the Australian commentators keep bringing him up and keep bringing up how hard he's carrying. You know, so 13 carries isn't bad for a team who aren't really seeing the ball. Absolutely, aren't getting yeah. opportunities. You know, six tackles as well. And especially so, given the non-distribution of the USA forwards, that's just him offering himself constantly. Yeah. Uh, can I point out two things about him? Go for it. So JJ Gaggiano, right? So he was a student. He's an American dude uh, who then went to uni in Cape Town 
uh, played okay. a bit for the Western Province, um, right. as well as playing for university in South Africa. Okay. Uh, I kind of got picked up from there through that system. Um, I think, you know, has lived in Cape Town since, has stayed in South Africa. Mm-hmm. So, cool, you know, good for him. Yeah, good for him. However, his name is JJ Gaggiano, right? Mm-hmm. His full name is Jonathan Richard Gaggiano. Huh. Now, is it Richard with a J? <laughs> yeah, that's how it's spelled, yeah. And that's what I meant to mention, yeah, he's uh, Jonathan J. Richard Gaggiano. It's a common, common name for South African come... Uh, American man sure. called Jonathan. Uh, it's only ever given if the first name is Jonathan. And you want to make it JJ. Yeah. Fair play. Uh, I don't have anything else to say on him. Just no, I thought enough. he played well. And yeah. I guess he's Jonathan Jr., isn't he? That's why it's JJ. Oh, that uh, that's just good, occurred to me yeah. now. But never mind. America. Um, it's not, not an interesting no. side point. But there you go. So uh, there's two more tries in the first half. So should we just talk sure. about them and then move on? Let's. Okay, so... One of them, it very nearly results in a second USA try when Kevin Swearin runs this lovely inside ball off Malifa. And Rocky Elson just takes the piss at the breakdown. There's a bit of a knock on. Elson kind of like one-handed gets a turnover. He isn't trying at all. Gets a turnover, runs about 30 yards across field, beating men in his wake just with ease. Yeah. And then if he wanted to, he could have probably ran the whole way. And eventually he just kind of thinks, nah, I'm going to share this. So he lets Adam Ashley Cooper do the rest of the work. Mm. Ashley Cooper beats about four men just by being strong and fast and just generally very talented. And says, as you say, Curtly Beale scores this try. And Blaine Scully tries to tackle all three of those players. <sighs> bless him. Bless him, bless him, bless him. Yeah, um, yeah it's hugely impressive. And it's not... Because yeah. it looks initially like... Or you could easily have... I've seen situations in which... You've seen the forward do that, and it looks like ball hogging. That isn't what's yeah. going on here. Like Elsom is taking the correct decision. Yeah, and it also it starts um, from players from both sides being I think lazy. It's selfless, if anything. Yeah, well, both play, players from both sides are being lazy and just waiting for the scrum to be reset once there's a knock on. Sure. Um, and then Elsom regathers the ball and goes, ah, "Fancy scoring? Like, not yeah, on my watch, like, mate. Like, yeah, we're better than this." And really goes for it. And as I say, offloads to or passes to Ashley Cooper, uh, who then gets the offload into Beal. And Curtly Beale, who is just magnificent in that first half, and so yeah. much fun. And then he's brought off at half time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because of an injury. Yeah. Mm. Oh, is he injured? Right, okay. Yeah, yeah. For the record, I would encourage anybody to watch the tries from this game. Yeah. As I say, there's the sort of try packages of everything from this World Cup somewhere on YouTube. And I'd recommend for this game at least watching the tries. Well, yeah, probably not watching the whole thing, but watching the tries because there's some there's some belters on here. But Oh, absolutely. One of them, not scored by Drew Mitchell, because his try was just really boring. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Half. Yeah, that's not a, that's not an interesting try at all, really. Yeah. He just, he he does some, he just picks a good line. Like, he, yeah, he picks a nice line phase. off, yeah, they're five, five metres out from the line. Yeah. And that's boring. it. Boring, who cares? One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. 
Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Uh, anyway, give me some Adam Ashley Cooper. So Pat McCabe comes onto the pitch. Ashley Cooper then does this amazing run and sets him up after some really lovely hands and a great carry by Radiku Samo, who just come on mm. uh, and sets up Pat McCabe in the corner when he could have scored himself. And don't worry, Adam Ashley Cooper, your time will come in about, yeah, just, you know, less than 10 minutes. Stay patient, you know, keep keep on keep on trucking. Keep on going. Yeah. You'll be fine. Um, what happens with Adam Ashley Cooper's first try again? Because I've just written AAC scores, simple but nice try. I'm I'm not going to lie to you, William Rees Owen. Yeah. I've, I watched this game about half an hour. I finished watching it before we start recording. Yeah. Um, so I've watched that try in the last hour and a half if not sure. last hour for the record i watched it last night i i have honestly forgotten what adam ashley cooper's first try is like yeah never mind i couldn't oh, tell you was that the one I, he sprints in from like 60 yards i think that's the second one oh, i've got it? aac written um that doesn't help me at all yeah considering considering if i looked at the score sheet i can see adam ashley cooper's scores in the 59th minute yeah i couldn't tell you what the try was like based on my notes, which just say AAC, which isn't even the player's full name. I get less information than I do from looking at the yeah. score sheet. So his first two tries, I don't really remember what happens, I, but I'm sure he takes them very well. I can tell you a moment from commentary in between his tries. Go on. So the um, so it's, I think, Scott Hastings on COCOMS. Yes, with, yeah, it is. I've forgotten his name. Um, um, it's Simon Ward. Simon Ward, thank commentary. you, yes. Uh, I knew that. Uh, so Simon Ward uh, is chatting about, oh, there's a line-out setting. Then Scott Hastings starts giving some stats about the line-out and saying, you know, so the USA have won this many line-outs and um, from this many line-outs, they've then gone on to play rugby. And from these, they haven't. And then Simon Ward says, another interesting thing about the line-out is um, that Peter Jackson uh, lives oh, nearby. Yeah. And he recorded some sound effects for Lord of the Rings at a cricket match here um, a few years ago. And he's like a local hero. He lives nearby. He's from here. Everyone loves him. And then Scott Hastings says, yeah. So another interesting stat about that line out. <laughs> <laughs> Just completely ignores him and brings up a stat about how many line outs the USA lost in the previous game. It was it was a baller move from Scott Hastings. But it, but both it promotes them... him to man of the match. Yes. <laughs> In both cases, they're ignoring what the previous one said, but the beginning of the sentence sounds like they're replying to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's not how proper, discourse like, works, mate. Exactly. Is that thing of people, they're not replying, they're waiting to say what they want. You know, they're yeah, not listening, yeah, yeah. they're waiting to say the thing they want to say. And they're kind of having these two, like, singles, these two monologues in what is being presented as a duologue. I enjoyed it. I thought that was funny. Yeah. No, yeah, I forgot about that. I have, you know, in the last week as well... Uh, told Nolly Wharton not to bother watching Lord of the Rings. So there's oh, a nice. name drop for you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, she's never watched a Harry Potter movie. What? I don't know if they That's did surprising. or not. That in. I haven't watched the full edit back. Um, I can't re- yeah, recall. Nolly Waterman has never seen a Harry Potter movie. I had uh, her down as being a Harry Potter fan. I know. At I'd least of the Lester so. Tigers winger. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, me and Brian Habana were talking about Harry Potter and she said I've never seen one. Uh, which This is a hell of a name drop conversation, isn't it? It is. Yeah, and she said she'd never seen... This was, like, after we'd finished the official interview bit, 
but it was still recording, so I didn't know if they'd leave it in. So what did Brian Habana have to offer on Harry Potter? So because um, basically I did this thing called rugby. It was promoting a, I don't know how much of this I should, shouldn't say, but frankly, I doubt anyone from World Rugby is listening 36 minutes into this podcast to, to, to you know, whatever. Yeah, I was doing this bit for World Rugby. Uh, it's to promote the HSBC Sevens Awards. Yeah. So I was told by World Rugby to mention HSBC a lot. So, you know, so as as I mentioned when you mentioned you'd watched it back, like I yeah. referred to it as the HSBC Sevens yeah. Awards series. Yeah, and I just watched which it. Which I'd never done otherwise. I just thought like, you'd never fucking say that. <laughs> no. You just call told. it the Sevens. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't even call it the World Series. Yeah. Like, unless I'm talking about who won the title, I wouldn't say the World Series. Yeah. But no. I, I had to say the HSB sevens, HSBC 7s HSBC World Series, which I can't even say now. Yeah. Uh, but I could say it when I was, you know, a bit more on edge because I was talking to two World Cup winners. Sure. Um, yeah. Naturally. I, your performance would be higher than talking to your, to your stupid brother, you know? Yes. As we said in the previous episode as well, because Brian Habana is the nicest person in the world. Yeah. I began the interview by asking how you are, you know, how are you doing? And as I was asking my first question, Habana interrupts me to say, how are you doing, Robbie? Oh. I know. And so I then said, honestly, I've never won a World Cup, so I didn't think it mattered how I'm doing, but I'm well, thank you. He's such a nice man. My heart. And he was just taking the piss out of Nolly the whole way. It was great. But yeah, anyway, Nolly Waterman was doing it in front of a kind of chimney. Uh, so she was actually taking time out. She was, she'd was she gone away for a weekend uh, or for a week or something. Legend. Um, she, yeah, she was doing it downstairs in front of this chimney. It had this kind of very old looking brickwork. And Brian Habana said it looked like Diagon Alley, that she was going to have to tap all the bricks and go in. Amazing. Yeah. So me and Brian Habana talked about it. And that was lost on Nolly. It was, she had no idea what he was talking She kind of laughed the first time, then Habana made the same joke oh, again, man. like 20 minutes later. That's kind of <laughs> And she was like, I've never seen Harry Potter, I'm sorry. But then again, he's literally Brian Habana, so he can say what he wants. So. Exactly, yeah. And so, yeah, then she said, I've never seen one. And I was kind of, as a millennial, slightly slightly offended that that could be possible yeah um yeah despite jk rowling being enormously problematic now and then she said i've never seen lord of the rings either and yeah. i said don't bother with lord of the rings it's fine just 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 leave that fair enough and she's like oh harry potter then okay i'm saying like, you've retired now you've got time you can yeah. read them all as well yeah do what you want yeah yeah yeah, yeah dive also, in eight of them again you're literally nolly waterman do what you want yeah you know again you've scored a try in a world cup final you've won a world yeah, cup yeah like you've done all of this one of like the you're... best fullbacks of all time exactly you're one of the most decorated and celebrated female players in rugby history yeah absolutely well done you know if you yeah. don't want to watch all the things fair and enough if you don't want to watch harry Potter, fair enough one of sort of the top five analysts in the world at the minute frankly oh or at least Co-com, on yeah. uk television she's excellent yeah yeah she's excellent brilliant but yeah um should we wax lyrical instead of about two World Cup winners, but instead about uh, somebody very frustrated to have never won a World Cup? Ashley Cooper's third try. Yes. Yes. So uh, it starts with, it's basically first or second phase off the kickoff. Uh, Beric Barnes does this lovely crossfield kick within his own 22. Mm. And uh, Ashley Cooper himself takes it and offloads to Radiki Samo, whose hands are lovely. Oh, and like he straight away sets back Stephen Moore on a run in the inside and Ampfinger gets the ball and does a competent offload, which is, you know, good on him. Hmm. Uh, Ashley Cooper then put, picks the ball up, throws a lovely dummy himself and scores the fastest ever World Cup hat-trick. Yes, seven minutes. Or just under yeah. seven minutes. It's just insane. Six six minutes, 40. He yeah. scores three tries inside that that period of time. And then moments later as well, he has a chance for fourth and he gives it to Radikis Armo. 
which yeah. to me makes him a world class player. That's why I love Adam Ashley yeah. Cooper, and he's already given the one to McCabe as well. Yeah, he's 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 fantastic, uh, and he takes all of them really well. You know, they're yeah. they're three very good finishes. You know, none of them are really flop overs. No, all of them he has a lot of work to do. You know, as the one where he picks picks a great line through the middle after, as you say, his third try. Could have been try the season if it was finished. If it wasn't for Quade Cooper, can't bloody offload. Yeah, that's what everyone says about him. Yeah, and yeah, but whereas you know he then actually goes, no, 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 I'm going to finish this now. This is on me. This is this is mine. Yeah, and so we've spoken about Ashley Cooper scoring three tries. Hmm. Shall we talk about something which is very disgraceful? Before we move on, speaking of disgrace, you alluded to a quote from Adam Ashley Cooper. I don't think is widely publicised. Okay, okay. That yeah, I've gone elaborate. and looked up now. Yes. Yeah. So Adam Ashley Cooper, I think early this start of this year, uh, after yeah. the World Cup, after he announced he's retiring from international rugby, finally, um, you know, after how many other years and 118 caps, I think. Yeah. Lots. It, on talking about why he 118 caps, yeah. Uh, okay. Why he? Oh, one to one caps. I have here. Oh, okay. But still, that was 118 prior to the World Cup. Okay. Uh... Fine. Okay. So asked why he decided to keep going ahead of 2019 World Cup. He said, I just knew in me at the time, I'm not done. I've always played the game with a chip on my shoulder and it never went away. Certainly didn't after the the final of the 2015 World Cup. (laughs) Then he said, right, and this is speaking, you know, after that World Cup, I have played over 100 tests for the Wallabies and mate, I haven't achieved a single thing in that jersey and that's shit. That still fuels the fire. It pisses me off. It still does. So I had that. I had that feeling that I had to hold on to man it's so like you can feel every last shred of that emotion there can't you because he was such a good player and like he could not have done any more for that wallaby shit to try and win something (laughs) it's hard to pat yourself on the back but i'm allowed to say i think i'm proud of what i've achieved i really am proud i'm proud to be australia i'm proud to represent my country i'm proud to do so at never world cup but i wish i could have done more oh man i just i feel for him in like in this world cup obviously he was great in the 2015 World Cup, he was absolutely world class. Yeah, and to think <laughs> the, that they so didn't win it. The yeah. uh, he then says, you know, he, I had that thing drive me to go and give it another track, another crack in Japan. I can't mm. really speak today, but you know, I'm getting away with it. I can't speak. <laughs> Thank you. The interviewer then says, "Is it like an inner voice?" And he says, "Not a voice, maybe a screw loose." <laughs> I love oh. Adam. Adam Ash Cooper is an yeah. all-time favorite player. Fifteen for me. He's brilliant. He's brilliant. I love him uh, yeah. and. He's someone that, you know, in that way I'd get <laughs> find Kirtley Bill frustrating to watch, even though I love him. I never feel like Adam Ashley Cooper. Yeah. Because he's yeah, so yeah, confident yeah. in every position. Yeah. But yes. Yeah. He's AAC. Great. So a less good player. Our He has been on this podcast five times nominated oh. for Dick of the Day. Mm. The one and only Anthony Fayenga a.k.a. Antfinger, scored two tries. Not one, but two tries for yeah. the Wallabies in this game. Just one of them well. being the previously alluded to most awkward-looking finish it, on this, when he gets over the line and just kind of flops over because he's not really sure what to it's do. It's just as well Blaine Scully drifted off Elson because of what right? we'd be looking because at he just smashed hat trick. We'd be looking at yeah. three Antfingers. Like, three Antfingers up. Yeah. But yeah, so... His first try, right? And it, here's the thing. We've said this before in episodes that I used to really rate Anthony Fayenga until we started watching this World Cup back. 
and he's been consistently terrible he's in every shite. game. He's been yeah. Yeah. Let's not beat around the bush here. So basically, right, his, his second try he takes well. His second try, Absolutely fair enough, does. like good yeah. finish. You know, can't take that away from him. Yeah. Whatever. Fine. However, the rest of the game, at one point, he makes what would be a break. He could give a pass. He could give an offload. Instead, he kind of really contorts his arm and flings the ball out the back of his hand into touch. He just yes. Ben Young's moment. Yeah. I'll tell you what, that was lovely because that was with about two minutes left to go. And it was really nice just thinking, okay, Anthinger's back. Yes. Yeah. But the best thing about it as well is that the ball doesn't go straight into touch. Despite the fact he's only a yard away from the touchline, it's such a bad pass that it lands next to the touchline. Yeah. Like exactly there. And it takes someone else trying to dive on it for it to go out. It takes yeah. someone else trying to get to the ball for it to actually go out. That he's yeah. so bad he couldn't even chuck the ball. Like, say what you want, but Ben Young's just passing the World Cup final. At least he got it into touch. At least he yeah. had some conviction behind it. Yeah. Yeah, like the one when we uh, the Wales Samoa game we did in this World Cup, mm-hmm. uh, where Ben James was talking about the the Fotoli pass that goes halfway across the field, and the yes. commentator's going, "That's a great pass." It's like, <laughs> yeah, I guess so, but it does go into touch, you know. <laughs> yeah, uh, it was Amfinger's first try, right? And you know what? I might just I might just do this now. Uh, here's my dick of the day for that first okay. try <laughs> for scoring. Well, because it's. Right, okay, so Anthony Fienga, right, so <laughs> basically, right, what happens is Samu hits a, no, not Samu, Wycliffe Palu, sorry, Wycliffe Palu. Wycliffe Palu hits a really good line, and, you know, he kind of drifts sideways, he then really straightens up with force, goes between two defenders, and frees an arm. Uh, Rob Horn times his run incredibly well and yeah. takes the offload. So he makes a clean break into the USA 22. He's got no one in support around him. He has to look one way, then decides, I'm going to have to go myself. Uh, Scully gets hold of him. Colin Hawley gets hold of him. They bring him to ground. Great. The USA recycle... They, no, they don't. They don't need it, sorry. They, he's able to off, get an offload in to yeah. Anthony Fienga. Fienga then has, on the wing, Drew Mitchell. Yeah. Any competent rugby player would give the pass to Drew Mitchell who walks in. Okay. Because of this, Colin Hawley, who's tracking across, having helped with the tackle, thinks any competent rugby player is giving the pass here. So therefore, I'm going to follow across and try and get to Mitchell. Instead, Anthony Fienga just barrels right into Colin Hawley and another USA defender, whoever it is, that's trying to help him out. I think it might be Yusaz. I'm not 100% sure. Yeah, I'm not sure. He just barrels straight into them. And you kind of think, when he gets the ball, you're thinking... I'm sure that says 13, not 1 or 3. <laughs> but no, he, he just goes straight into him with no awareness, no awareness of the player around him. And because both players are in the process of tracking across, they fall off the tackle. Like, they're kind of in a really awkward position to make that tackle because they're trying to tackle a different guy. They're trying to get across and tackle Drew Mitchell. So Fang kind of bounces off them and falls over the try line. And it's he only scores because he's bad. Like, a good player wouldn't have scored that try. Drew Mitchell would have scored it. And Drew Mitchell runs a great support. So he initially gets up. He's really sprinting to get in support for Horn. And then he adjusts himself correctly. He really slows down and manages to get, you know, time it so that Fienga could have put him in the corner. Doesn't have to. Drew Mitchell doing really good rugby. Anthony Finger doing really terrible rugby. And yet, somehow, it comes out as a try. Like, if he'd... If he hadn't scored, like, if he'd just been stopped a yard short, you would have gone... Oh, he's just bad, right? Sure. But because because he scores the try, he he both looks bad and like a dick. Like he's a, a ball hungry. Yeah, yeah. It's his first test try. 
He, you know, desperately wanted to score it. Selfish. He looks like both a bad rugby player and a dick. So he's my dick of the day. I'm okay. jumping the gun and giving it to him. Yeah. Not that we're doing this now, but I'm not going to give it to him. You've okay. given it to him on all of Australia's games, which is I impressive. Have. It's now tradition. Um, I'm going to let him off for the fact he scored two tries and also he got very seriously injured at the end of the game. So it feels kind of <laughs> that's true. I did think that. Sorry. Yeah. I forgot he got seriously injured at the end of the game. Yeah. And I did as I was watching. I think I can't give him dick of the day now. I yeah. can't give him dick of the day. Then I <laughs> and then. 20 minutes past you go dick yeah <laughs> i will say though he's over it now like he's not currently injured yeah you know he's had, no, he's yeah, had time to recover of course. that said that doesn't make it any better i, I don't stand by that at all before but yeah, we, my dick of the day before we go properly onto that feature yeah yeah we'll talk about a certain substitution which happens in the australian ranks okay so at this point they'd had quade cooper playing fullback for them with Barrett barnes playing 10 and so they bring on Stephen Moore hmm. in the place of Rob Horn. Wait, what? So what happens is Stephen Moore plays hooker. Mm-hmm. Tafu Pilotta now goes into the back row and plays open side flanker. Okay. Ben McCallum goes to number eight. Radiki okay. Samo goes out to the wing. Adam Ashley Cooper goes to fullback. Quay Cooper goes to fly half. And Barrett Barnes plays inside centre. Right. So they rejig the entire thing just because it would be a laugh to get Radiki Samo on the wing for 20 minutes. <laughs> and I tell you what, it was, and he scored. He scored a really lovely try, as you say. Like Adam Ashley Cooper runs onto the ball brilliantly and sets him up, and Samo shows some toe to finish that. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, we we love Big Diki. I guess yeah. the next game against Russia, there's more time to talk about. It's it. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. As the commentators point out at the time, his previous try was his 70 meter effort against the All Blacks. Yeah. Which is. A moment that'll always go down in history. The moment, uh, what was he, 36, 37? Yeah, that man aged like a fine wine. He got faster oh, as he got closer to 40, which is so impressive. But yeah, so he, he finished his try really well. Um, what a late, you know, late days career he had. Oh yeah, he's phenomenal. And like the fact that he can say, you know, he got shifted out to the wing when he was in his mid-30s for the Wallabies in a World Cup is brilliant. Yeah, love yeah that guy. and he continued to play for the Wallabies. He played for them after this World Cup. Yeah, he played for them the following year, which I love. You know, he's he he played until he was forty-one, I think. Professional yeah. rugby, professional and he, he very gradually became a second row again. Yes, but less quick than he was in his youth. But his youth yeah. being age thirty-six. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But I reckon now. I reckon he's one of those ageless players that if you put him in like a vets game now, he would oh, still yeah. be quicker than most of the backs. Yeah, genuinely, yeah. Get, I think he get him he in the Bermuda Classic. Bermuda yeah. Classic next oh, year. Oh yeah, he'll be unplayable. Done. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's all I have to say on the, the match. I think uh, before the closing ceremony. Okay. The one other thing I think we should probably touch on is on. the yellow card at the end. Okay. Because dick of the day uh, territory here. In oh really? Is that your okay? Uh, so my dick of the day is Nigel Owens for the fact that he had the audacity to sin bin the world's nicest, well-meaning fullback, Mr. Blaine Scully. Mm. So for the record, I also had written down the ant finger passing to touch and uh, Adam Ashley Cooper once uh, being unmarked and passing back inside to somebody who's very heavily marked. Yes. Uh, after scoring his three tries because he couldn't be bothered to run any further but yeah i no. did notice that as well yeah i i have written down nigel bins blaine and then no <laughs> i'll say two things on this one 
It's a yellow card. I don't like, care. That's, that's a deliberate knock on. I don't care. But, right, think about it. If you're Nigel Owens, you're a man of his persuasion. Can't blame him for calling Blaine Scully over. True. You know, True. he calls him over. He's like, handsome lad. to the bench, though? He's a very I, handsome lad. I don't know. Uh, maybe, I don't man know what the listen. process is. Maybe he has to make him fill out some paperwork to process a yellow yeah. card afterwards or something. I don't know. But then there's a moment when I think it's after Samo's try mm. where it just cuts to Blaine Scully sat on the bench and he looks really sad. Yes, I know. And it really like genuinely like kind of upset me looking at that and going, oh no, just let them score, please Australia. Because like, the USA played really well and obviously Blaine Scully in particular, like I don't remember him getting that yellow card until mm. it actually happened. And like I was Same. just thinking about like, oh yeah, how great Blaine's been in this game and just like, you know, yeah, after hearing him talk about the Russia game, obviously uh, thinking about how great it would be, uh, thinking about how he must, he reflects on how he played in this game because obviously mm. uh, the USA lost by quite a lot. But as he said on the podcast before, that being a young kid, the f- first one thing he wanted to focus on was himself and you know how he played from fullback. Yeah, And uh, it was really great to see him just completely dominating some world-class players in tackles yes. sometimes and stuff. And then that yellow card happened. It was really sad. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and when he called him over, for, oh no, please don't send him off, Nigel. Please don't. So, Nigel, you're my dick of the day. Deserve it. Deserve yeah. it. Um, I also enjoyed when Chris Wiles came on. Uh, he played centre. Yeah. Uh, and there was a lot of talk, you know, because the USA were playing Italy a few days later. Like, they had a really sure. short turnaround, so they rested a lot of the team. Um, so, it was very much a younger team. So, like. Tim Yusa has played over Mike Petri, and I've talked a lot on this on the episode we've done in the USA on how good Mike Petri's been. Yes, and, how he play- and when he comes in, he puts in a really good kick as well, um, like a really intelligent yeah. box kick. Tim Yusa, what a mad player! Yeah. What a mad player to watch! Yeah, yeah, because he's so the the things he does are often genuinely world class. And then he'll just not be able to pass to a man stood next to him. Yeah, yeah. Like, he's so inconsistent. It's not like a lot of Tier 2 players are kind of of a standard slightly below, of like, premiership standard, you know? Like, sure. they're kind of hitting, like, lower end premiership, you know, whatever. You expect them to be at a certain tier. Tim Usaz is sometimes world-class, and sometimes he's just like, no, no, you know, I can't spin pass off that hand. Yeah. Like, I'm, sure, no, I'm sure he can, but still, sure. you're kind of like... What's going on here? And he's screaming yeah. at everyone. He's shouting. He's pumping them all up. I said the US looks so pumped up in the first twenty minutes, but especially him. And when he makes that break in the lead up to the the, the USA try, he what he's going for it. Yeah, you know? yeah. And he makes yeah, a few yeah. snipes. Where he looks furious with the defense. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm not going to tell any stories on here, partially because I don't quite remember them. But I have heard some stories about what Tim Uses is like on a night out, um, <laughs> and. He is not the sort of guy to be to have two beers and be in by ten. Yeah, uh, no, I was say, he probably can't remember them either. Yeah, yeah. He was, of course, raised in Australia, played for America, lived in the UK to play for Nottingham, and was nicknamed Russian. So <laughs> I can't get my head around that, but yeah. I guess that must be a Russian surname, Usas. Yeah, maybe. He's got USA in, the, in his name, though. So he has, to be that's fair. That's pretty cool. You can't get any more American than that. Yeah. Have you got any content for the dick of the day? Uh, no, I've covered them all. Okay. I've got, so, uh, Flores, the USA 7, who I did not, Ignaki Flores, who I did not remember at all. Maybe um, because the USA number 7 wasn't called Ignaki, oh, Ignaki Basuri, sorry, sorry. I'm with okay. you now, I'm with you now. I didn't remember him at all, I had to look at who he was on ESPN Scrummies listed as Ignaki Flores. 
Right. And Naki Basori Flores. Fine. Okay. At twice he entered the the ruck through. <laughs> Once he enters right in the side, you know, there's they kind of number eight picks and goes from a scrum, and he just dives over the top from the the, the side of the scrum. Uh, and another time he's retreating back from a kick, and he enters the ruck from the Australian side. <laughs> And both times he gets away with it, huh? So I don't, I don't quite know what. Yeah, does that make you there. a dick of the day or? Is, is, is he in contention? Yeah. yeah, or is he man of the match for just these Jedi mind powers over Nigel Owens? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I just, I was, I was astounded by his ability to get away with things. Yeah. Um, should we move on to speaking of ability to get away with things? Uh, man of the match. Uh, mine is a split between two people. Uh, the first divided man of the match. Interesting. But it's whoever was kind of filling in a certain position. So my man of the first half is Curtly Beale. Uh... My man of the second half is Beric Barnes. Beric Barnes comes on for Curtly Beale at half time. So it's a split between those two. Okay. And yeah, just getting away with things, Curtly Beale, his entire career. Well, I'm going to complete the triangle of the players you're going for because my man of the match is Quade Cooper. Okay. Um, he sets up a shed load of tries from just stepping people, and there's just there's a few just like a few times where he just decides to go on incredibly horny runs for no reason. And well, <laughs> well, like, Rob horny runs. Nice. There's one in particular where I don't think it particularly leads to anything, but he has Colin Hawley kind of wrapped around his little finger, and like oh, would we has, all like that? Yeah. He has about three metres between himself and the touchline. He has Drew Mitchell outside him and he's still throwing the dummy like he's going to pass it to somebody who's basically out. And Colin Hawley Hurley turns his back and he manages to step inside and outside him about three times within, you know, five yards of the touchline. It's really incredible. Yeah, and he just decides to just do a few filthy things just for the sake of it. And it's just great to watch. And seeing Quaid play fullback and getting all the space against America is just a joy. So, Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, my man of the match is Quaid Cooper. No, I I can't I can't argue with um, Quaid, yeah. but yeah, Curtly Beale and Beric Barnes. I mean, when Beric Barnes comes on, he's simultaneously the player we think of Beric Barnes as, which is this kind of you know he's a very shape paced player in that he yeah. has that kind of low low kick trajectory. Um, yeah, he he loves a kick, doesn't he? Um, but he's also playing a bit like a Quaid in that he's running everything and he's throwing yeah, off loads yeah. and he scores a try and he kind of, you know, he's he's excellent in every regard. It's very and I competent. always thought he was an underrated player, you know. Because yeah. um, I think he was one of those players who, for some reason, people would say is shit and I never got why. No, he was brilliant. And he was yeah. great in, like, several positions as well. Mm. Yeah, and, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, obviously he plays fly half in this game, but, uh, for example, as the third place playoff later on in the tournament, not to hmm. do spoilers or anything, but he plays like two or three positions in that game and he's fantastic. Yeah. And like, uh, was it the rugby championship after this, I guess, uh, where he was really brilliant and he had to play again, two or three different positions. And then yeah. of course he played against, played fullback against the lions in 2013. Of course he did. Um, yes. Yeah. No, he, he had a great career, great balance. Very good player. Yeah. And of course, really good rugby league player as well. And I think it was maybe that mm, you know, drifting in between. The, I don't know. Anyway. Okay. Does that roughly bring us through? Yeah, I guess so. We've rambled for about an hour match. now. Yeah. We've actually talked, we've rambled and we've actually talked about rugby, which is weird. Yeah, I don't like it. Like there's been no bits. We've just talked about the actual game. Yeah. Let us know if you think this works. <laughs> if so, I think there's a podcast in this, <laughs> it maybe. Uh, a podcast where we actually talk about rugby matches. Yeah. Why is it we picked this game to talk about? To actually talk about? Yeah, I don't know. I guess there's a lot of tries and but there's, like, there's so not many lion taming. 
going There's on. so many really good games where we haven't talked about the rugby. Yeah, I know. And then this I'll tell one. You what, any Irish fans will be really pissed off because in the Ireland Australia match, we just did not talk about rugby at all. Whereas in no. this Australia match, we just talked about rugby solidly. So, <laughs> sorry for that. Yeah. Well, I hope you've enjoyed that. I hope you've done some good listening. Um, I hope the walk you've gone for, the commute you've been doing, the the, the menial tasks you've been completing alongside have been fruitful and yep. helpful and have profited your life. And I hope you'll join us next time when the match will be England against Romania from the 2011 Rug World Cups. After that, right, coming up, we have New Zealand against France. Oh, yes. We have Fiji against Samoa. And nice. we have... Ireland against Vusha. What a lineup! And then actually the game after that, I was going to stop there as stop teasing, but Argentina Scotland, well, which is one of the games of the tournament. Yeah, yeah, this is exciting. This is a good lineup we have coming up. So yeah, keep We're listening. Well over halfway, keep kayaking. The... Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Tournament. You know, we've got twenty three games. This is the twenty third game. Right. There are are of course forty pool games. Right. So okay. we're over half of the pool games. We're now next officially the next one is yeah yeah half of the pool tournament. That's crazy. I know. Wow. It sort of felt when we started like we'd never achieve it. Yeah. Like we'd never get all the way. And it still feels like that a bit. But yeah, yeah. All wow. right. Well, thank you for joining us as ever. Yeah. Um, thank you. And we'll see you next time for England against Rom Romania 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 against Romanpoat. England play Roman Poitras. Bye. See ya. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.